Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They were there, and uh, we're starting to hear a lot of grumbling out of military, out of our own military and out of some foreign militaries. And NATO Admiral is now warning of a potential all-out war with Russia. Top NATO official Admiral Rob Bauer said yesterday that a larger war with Russia and other adversaries is a real threat amid the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. And NATO isn't even involving itself to any extent in the war that's raging in the Middle East. Putin attacked NATO Uh, or or actually claimed he would attack NATO in the next five to eight years. You just, if you're a member of the United States military right now or a family member, you have to be nervous. You've got Houthis targeting tankers in these daily attacks. You've got the border exploding It's virtually impossible to deny anymore for this administration that the border is a national security problem. And if it is, then it might very well entail taking the military down there, which I assure you, when Donald Trump becomes president, that's what he will do. There's a big confrontation happening on Capitol Hill. Well, it's actually not happening yet but it's going to happen, (laughs) so you gotta be prepared for it. The idea that the Speaker of the House isn't going to be pressured by conservatives is ridiculous. That's why I said, when they got rid of Kevin McCarthy, it opened the door for this to happen uh, over and over again, and I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people aren't. I think when you back these politicians into a corner, they have to act on behalf of what's popular with the people. And so House Speaker Mike Johnson is discovering what Kevin McCarthy learned before him. Trying to please everyone in your party is impossible. He's only been the Speaker for, what, two, three months? And he's already had to oversee a vote, actually two or three votes that have threatened to split the conference. How are you going to keep all the members of the party happy? I'll be seeing Matt Gates speaking on Monday, and I know he's not happy about this budget continuing resolution that got passed, which extends government funding. And, uh, you know, here we go again, another stopgap measure. And this was negotiated by the new speaker and Chuck Schumer. So the House conservatives, they're calling it a surrender. And of course, 
then you uh, you understand that they have this motion to vacate that they used against Kevin McCarthy and may very well use against Mike. But what's even worse is you don't even have to use it now. It's just the threat. Representative Chip Roy, the Republican from Texas, was the first one to say uh, on our talk radio program, Steve Deese's show earlier this month, that of course that option's on the table. And now you're hearing it from Eli Crane in Arizona. You're hearing it from a number of the, I call them the anti-squad in the House. Bob Good from Virginia, uh, Eric Burleson from Missouri, Ralph Norman from South Carolina, Matt Rosendale from uh, Montana, Clay Higgins, all, you know, this worked. This helped them to oust someone they weren't satisfied with. Well, guess what? They're never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to be satisfied. And that's okay. You know, the beautiful protocol that the uh, founding fathers put together meant that I get to shake it up and change everybody if I want in the House of Representatives every two years. We don't do it, but we probably should. And I think if we did do it, we'd see a lot more responsive representatives because we are not a democracy. I don't know how many times some of us have to repeat this. We're a republic. We are represented by people that are elected from areas close to our homes. While I may admire the work of a, you know, Elise Stefanik in New York or, uh, you know, a Chip Roy in Texas, I elect representatives in Florida we're supposed to represent my perspective and what's best for me here in Florida. Now, of course, I live in uh, Jared Moskowitz's district, so I have no representation in Washington. Or maybe I should reframe that. I have the worst possible representation in Washington, but there's a couple of contenders that are going after him this time, so we'll see. You know, it would be nice. I've been you know, angling for that for for years. But this is going to be a mess. Under the House rules, it only takes one lawmaker to introduce a motion to vacate. And that, when you put it together with the very small majority that the Republicans have in the House, you've got a speaker again, um, what's the expression? Skating on very thin ice. Because if he just angers a handful of conservatives, that could put him at the mercy of the other party, the House Democrats, because they can rescue him from being ousted just by opposing the measure or voting present. But then he owes the Democrats. It's a mess, and, and it's supposed to be a mess. Government is messy. You don't want to see how the sausage is made most of the time, but we're micro-watching and micromanaging the sausage in this era. So it's not over for Alec Baldwin. They just charged him again. I thought all that was passed. Well, we'll talk about that with my son, Derek. He'll be on in uh, the final segment of the show. But he just got hit with a new criminal charge in the Rust case. And again, he was hit with involuntary manslaughter. I, I don't know how this happens over and over again. I really don't. But uh, hopefully Derek, not only as a, the celebrity reporter, but as a lawyer, will be able to explain that to me. But that's a big uh, story, again. 
And I thought that, you know, we had moved on from that. Although, uh, you know, if there's one person I absolutely can't stand, it's Alec Baldwin. I don't think many people like Alec Baldwin. Then I read this interesting article in The Hill. I think it was in The Hill. About, oh no, it might have been in The Washington Post. About how there is this movement among Silicon Valley Democrats, and don't kid yourself, almost everybody in Silicon Valley is a Democrat. Right? I, I, I can only think of maybe one or two conservatives in Silicon Valley, and they don't amount to a hill of beans, and they've kind of taken a backseat from politics right now. But you have all of these uh, guys in Silicon Valley getting behind Dean Phillips, and they're doing something that's going to be precedent-setting. An artificial intelligence bot version of Dean Phillips that's going to literally be talking to the voters. The Dean bot, Dean.bot. Now, I don't get these chat bots yet. I, I, it's not that I don't understand the concept, I do, but I don't understand how it's going to move things more quickly. I know they chat like a real person, but this is the first time that artificial intelligence is going to be used in a political campaign. And isn't it fascinating that it's the left, the techies that on the left who are behind the bot, and they're getting funded from a hedge fund billionaire, Bill Ackman, who said, I have to protect the Democrats from nominating a candidate in Joe Biden who can't win. So when billionaire donors to the Democrat Party are convinced that Joe Biden, the incumbent, cannot win, let me just say this. They're probably right. Two Silicon Valley entrepreneurs by the name of names of Matt Krisiloff and Jed Summers formed the group called We Deserve Better last year in early December after they saw the poll numbers. Um, and along with many of their donors, they, don't, they haven't been involved in politics before. So when they jump into presidential politics, then you have to think there's a whole new demographic that's going to start moving the needle in politics. Biden just released medical information from his physician saying he's fit to serve. Now, yesterday I watched all these insane discussions online about Donald Trump's hand and how it portends some kind of illness. And I'm watching this stuff and I'm reading all of the threads on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and I'm thinking, so they have convinced themselves, the left has convinced themselves that Donald Trump's health is compromised because his hand looked funny? Meanwhile, they're buying the fact that Joe Biden's health is not compromised, even though he can't actually say more than one coherent sentence on any given day, you, you have to wonder. Like they, I know they're not stupid. I know that people like my, uh, my daughter, my son-in-law, who are hardcore Democrats, I know that they look at Joe Biden. My, my daughter's a neuro, neuropsychiatrist. I mean, she knows what 
uh, dementia looks like. She knows what compromised brain looks like. She treats people who have these conditions. So if she's willing to overlook that, she must know something I don't know. Like they're planning to just uh, let him run, win, and then, you know, I don't know, have him fall down the steps of the of the airplane and break his legs so that Kamala Harris has to assume the office and he gets to sit back in an easy chair. I don't know. What does she know that I don't know? But nobody on earth can think that there's another four years in Joe Biden. And everybody understands that there probably is at least another four years in Donald Trump. And yes, he's old. And yes, I wish we had a whole, you know, young bench in both parties so that we could start meeting the needs of younger people, but we don't. So if I have to have an old man, I want an old man with some um, P and V, as they say. You know what P and V stands for, right? Well, my audience does. It's PP and vinegar, only it's not PP. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can participate in all these really cool contests. We're giving away all kinds of tickets. We've got uh, a Garlic Fest family four-pack. That's a cool thing. We have a Artie Gras family four-pack of tickets to the 39th annual Artie Gras Fine Arts Festival. That's in the Gardens North County District Park. We've got a $50 gift card to the great Greek in Boca Raton. And, of course, all the information about the Susan G. Komen More Than Pink Walk. So you should have the app, 850 app, or you should visit the website on a regular basis, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Enough other things to worry about, right? You know, now I'm reading articles about this uh, semen microbiome that could affect fertility. And it came out of UCLA, out of the uh, University of California in Los Angeles. A microbiome is, well, you all know what this is. At this point, we've become like medical experts because we had to. But it's a collection of microbes like bacteria and fungus and viruses that directly affect our health. And there's been a lot of studies, like we all have heard about probiotics and prebiotics for the gut, right, for the digestive system. And uh, lately there's been a lot of talk about these skin uh, biomes. You know, can you get rid of crepey skin and blah, 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 all these, you know, experimental things that are out on the market. Now the UCLA team is saying that one microbe in particular, it's the, the bacteria called Lactobacillus innerus, can have a direct negative impact on sperm motility, which in turn affects fertility. So in other words, the little guys can't get where they're going. <laughs> and, and the bacteria that's causing this is found in like 80% of women. So... These poor guys have no chance to not get this, uh, whatever, lactobacillus innerus. And then 
you know, the wife and girlfriend saying, okay, well, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, and they can't go. Or they can go, but it ain't going nowhere. These are things that just amaze me that get little or no attention. Now, granted, we've got wars and rumors of wars. We have all kinds of economic woes. You know, just talking to a young person about, I have no idea how young people can hope to have as good a life as their parents, never mind a better life. The only way that happens is they have to either have tremendous good fortune and inherit a bunch of wealth, or they had to have hit that cutoff. I think my kids hit the cutoff. I think everyone after, the Derek is 43, he'll be on the show later, Jenya's 45, anybody younger than that, I, I just pray for them. I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't. I walked into the supermarket yesterday. I'm feeding two people and we don't eat that much. We're like old people. We eat, but we don't eat that much. And you can't get out of the supermarket with, you know, with a bag full of groceries for under $100. And I'm not feeding kids. I don't have to buy uh, whatever, formula, baby food, diapers, all that other stuff. I just, it breaks my heart because what it does is it makes it impossible for young people to have quality of life. They want what I wanted. They want a house. They want a decent job. They want to be able to put their kids in little cute outfits and send them to safe schools. That's what they want. And we virtually rendered that uh, unachievable. And and it, it just grieves me. And not not so much because it so personally affects me, but I was sharing with this young person. I've been saving money for my, one of my grandchildren, my oldest grandson right now, who's a junior in high school, smart kid, wants to be a either a sports, you know, journalist, announcer, or a photographer. You know, he he he's a talented kid. He's a smart kid. He's a wonderful kid. He's a really good kid, which is in and of itself is a miracle. I, I just, I admire any kid who can grow up in this environment and still be good. But you know, I started putting money away in the Florida prepaid when he was two years old. And had I not done that, even if there is bright, bright horizons and even if he qualifies for, uh, you know, loans that will be low interest, whatever the case may be, there's no way that his single mom could possibly save enough money to make it possible for him to go to college without like suffering enormously, having to work full time, having to live at home, all that stuff, you know? And it's falling to grandparents. It's falling to the handful of relatives that can help. You know, my son and daughter, thank God, they have good hearts. And they said to me, you tell Dan not to worry about a thing. Like we got, you know, one of them said, I got his, uh, you know, books. And the other one said, I got his housing. And, and Thank goodness, because otherwise, I don't know how anybody can do this. All the debt that I incurred for two graduate degrees, my undergraduate and two graduate degrees in great schools, well, maybe they weren't that great, but they, they were very good, cost me less than to get an associate's de degree today. We were just discussing that, and I still was paying loans off into my 50s. Well, I might have finished in my late 40s. I don't remember. 
but I can't even wrap my mind around. What if you're paying like forty, fifty thousand dollars in school loans for your associate's degree? What do you do for work? Like, is there a job out there that advertises a must-have associate's degree? Half the time, I'm looking at the uh, job boards online, and it's all like mm, must have a master's or be working on it. <laughs> wow. And then you're being offered 18 bucks an hour. I, I just, I'm concerned. I really am. I, I think that the odds are not in favor of a middle class anymore. And we know what happens when there's no middle class. You have the rich and the poor. And eventually the poor get real tired of being poor and the rich start running. And that's a scary proposition. It really is. So I've been really like prayerful. I was also awakened very early this morning, three o'clock this morning. And I don't know what it was, but something drove me to watch some video and look at some photographs of the day after, October 7th. So it was October 8th. And I can never unsee the images that I saw. And I'd already seen some pretty horrific images, but these really were worse than anything else I had seen. And all I kept thinking is, it was a terrible mistake to not let the world see this. Because the level of anti-Semitism and just hatred for Israel and for Jews and for Bibi and for people like me who still think uh, that, that, that there should be in Israel, a state of Israel, it could have been possibly circumvented by letting people see what really happened. Talking about it and describing it was hard and horrible, but seeing it, I'm not even going to tell you what I looked at because I don't even want you to have to imagine it. Never mind, see it. Do yourself a favor and don't watch and don't look and just believe that everything you heard was an understatement of what actually happened. Oh, my inbox is slamming. My kids have had, don't have a chance. Okay, my kids have been screwed over and over again. You know, this is, we feel bad. I, I fully expected to do better than my parents. My parents fully expected to do better than their parents, and we were able to do that. My kids weren't sure. I've been blessed that they did do better than me. But wow, these are some very, very tumultuous and not peaceful times, and they're also scary, no matter what you say. Anyway, let me take a quick break. I'm going to have another segment where I want to talk a little bit about something that might surprise you, maybe not. And then in the final segment of the show, we'll check in with Derek at TMZ and really find out about this Alec Baldwin thing and Schwarzenegger's back in the news. <laughs> Stay with me. I'll be right back. I believe that if we are alert about these things, we could uh, combat them. Because uh, here's where the disconnect comes in for me. And I know I'm not the only person, okay? So on one hand, I'm telling you that I don't understand how a young man and woman can have and raise a family today and not be terrified because of all of the expenses associated with just a decent life. Not a, you know, a big time fancy schmancy life, but a decent life where they have cars that run and a house and, and, and they're able to pay for things like daycare, which now people can't pay for. Um, and then here's where the disconnect for me comes in. Today's headline is stocks hit all-time high. 
okay how does that how does that compute it's it passed all the previous records that were set like two years ago so the s p rose 1.1 percent then uh what was it i think the dow jones or the nasdaq i don't know they're all up 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 all three major averages are now in positive territory for 2024 with the 30 stock Dow going green today. So explain that to me. How could you have such a strong market, the tech sector up 2.1% and people be struggling? Because again, it's what I said earlier. We're getting to that place where the rich are gonna be okay and the poor are going to struggle to the extent that they won't be able to to live that way. And I don't know what happens then. I really don't. Because on top of all that, we have political turmoil. We got half the country hating the other half of the country. We got people saying, oh, if, if he becomes president, I'm leaving. Not that I haven't heard that over and over again, right? The left is always leaving if Trump or Bush or somebody else becomes president. They don't go anywhere, but they always threaten. And, and I just, they keep getting richer. I look at some of the salaries. I was looking at, um, what was it? The, there was some award ceremony. I don't keep track anymore because who cares, right? But some award ceremony happened this last weekend. And they were talking about the amount of money that a particular, I think it was Reese Witherspoon or some large, uh, you know, I don't know what you call them anymore, a celebrity what they're paid for a film. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid that much money if it can generate box office, box office revenues. That's what it's all about, right? But how, how could some people have so much and some people not be able to, to pay for their groceries this week? It just not it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not a socialist. I don't want to spread the wealth or anything like that. I just believe in opportunity. And I see the window of opportunity for a middle class just diminishing and decreasing. And this record-breaking market just rubs it in your face. You know, um, retirement. I was laughing. I remember when I was, first of all, I'd never believed that I was going to still be working at the age I am now. And trust me, I don't have to, but I enjoy working. And to be perfectly frank, it sure makes my life easier. And I'm not worried. Whereas if I started my so-called retirement last year, I'd be nervous every year. Well, I have enough money. What if I live to be 95? What, well, is this enough? We didn't think like that. I remember a time when 65, that's when you retire, period. You get the gold watch, you get the little plaque, and you go home. You know, you get your pension. I don't even think people get pensions anymore. Or you get Social Security. Most of the time, people are concerned that there won't be Social Security by the time they're eligible for it, or that it won't be enough. You know, I look at the people living in my own community. It was a middle-class um, group that moved in here for retirement. But when they moved in here at age 65, they didn't know they were going to live to be 95. And they didn't know that their uh, maintenance was going to go from $100 a month to $1,000 a month. Because I assure you, their Social Security check didn't go up like that. 
And that's why it's all the different age groups. If it was just young people that were struggling, that'd be one thing. If it was just old people that were struggling, that'd be one thing. But it's we have literally gotten to that point in time where you're either rich or you're poor. And there's no in between. And that speaks to dangerous times. Look at Venezuela, look at Argentina, look at all these countries where they had thriving, burgeoning middle classes, and now they have uh, people fleeing. That's what they have. So I worry. I don't worry myself sick, but I, I, I feel responsible. I think my generation, we cannot do, leave this mess. We have to straighten up some of this mess. We have to ensure that opportunity isn't just about your gender, your skin color, that if we go to a meritocracy, I know some fine young people who do incredibly good work, but they can't get paid enough to live. Because of course, their companies are too busy making sure they have enough people in every category. Yeah. I saw some crazy video today, I don't know if it's real or not, but it sure did look real, of the CEO of a major airline in drag dancing. Now, listen, I, I saw a drag show not long ago. Very entertaining. But I don't know, I think being the CEO of a major airline is a somewhat serious position. And uh, how serious do you have to be to, to put on a, you know, a mini skirt in your 50s as a man and start dancing around? Not very serious. <laughs> scary. But this is what where we are. And I'm not I'm not afraid to talk about it. We got to talk about it cuz if we don't talk about it we can't fix it. First you got to identify the problem. Then you can come up with a solution. People are afraid. They're afraid to talk about these things. They'd much rather say Donald Trump is terrible. Joe Biden is crazy. Hey, some days that's all I got. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget coming up after my show Eric Erickson. And then it's the weekend, that's right, and we can all use the weekend. I know that for sure. I know I can use the weekend. But uh, when we come back from this break, I'll have Derek on, and we'll talk a little bit celebrity gossip, celebrity news, and see if Alex Baldwin might really, really be in trouble this time. Stay right where you are. All right, well, Mr. Uh, celebrity gossip there has, uh, must have gotten called away on something that's more important than his mom. Mm. There'll be a price to pay for that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and and those stories, so most of them are pretty timeless. Alec Guinness uh, probably thought he was everything was going to be all right now, but uh, they literally the prosecutors have always said that they were going to leave open the window to uh, you know possibly bring forward some charges, and now they've done that with a grand jury indictment. And he, of course, pled guilty at first, or not guilty, excuse me, and he'll probably say, do the same thing this time. They look forward to their day in court. That's what his lawyers had to say. Oh, Derek has just texted me. He is going to call in now, so we will actually have an opportunity to find out if I'm right. I just kind of was winging it, as they say. So we'll, uh, we'll, ch we'll check in with him and find out exactly whether or not Alec it seems to me like it should be double jeopardy, but 
I don't know. There wasn't an actual conviction or, or even a trial, so I don't know that that uh, applies. We'll have to find out from my kid, the lawyer. Um, and then Seattle. Okay. Derek, are you there? I'm here now. I'm here. I'm sorry I'm late, but that is the news business. Sometimes you are hung up on a story, and uh, it's kind of hard to leave Harvey's desk sometime in the middle of things. That, well, all you do is you say, Harvey, I have to go talk to my mama. That's right. Yeah. It's it's hard to say, hey, uh, can you excuse me while I go talk to my mommy? That'd be great. <laughs> well, actually, that was uh, one of the segments on TMZ this week was when you told everyone that I bought you a $17 smoothie at, uh, what's that place called? Uh, Erewhon. Yes, Erewhon. the most expensive smoothies in town named after celebrities. Right. So I had bought you a Bieber a smoothie, and your f- colleagues on the show referred to you as a middle-aged mama's boy. That's right. They've they've psychoanalyzed me for, you know, more than a decade now around here, but I'd never been called a middle-aged mama's boy, so that was new for me. Yes. I'm not saying it's inaccurate, but no, it's, I'd never heard it before directly out there. That's right. Well, it's right on the money. So tell me, can they really charge Alec Baldwin? When does this ever end? Oh, my goodness. This saga is ongoing. Remember, the prosecutors uh, had to drop their charges initially. It was a sort of a fiasco in the beginning because they tried to apply an enhancement that wasn't in place at the time of the offense. And it was a really an embarrassing spectacle for the prosecutor's office. So they dropped the charges but left the window open. And they've continued to investigate this case. And, you know, a lot of forensics have come out about whether that gun was fireable without pulling the trigger. You know, Alec went out and did an interview shortly after Helena Hutchins' death and said, I was just with the hammer and it went off. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to now have to contend with the evidence that shows that that gun could only fire if you pulled the trigger because the grand jury just handed down an indictment mm-hmm. saying involuntary manslaughter. It's basically the same charge, negligent use of a firearm. Mm-hmm. And he's now going to have to answer in court. He'll probably plead not guilty again and we'll have to see how this goes, but they are charging him again. Now, so it's not like double jeopardy because he never went through a trial, right? That's exactly right. And and when the tr- charges were dropped, they left open the possibility. They said, we're going to drop these charges now, but it's without prejudice as to whether we're going to be able to bring them again. And that opening was there. A lot of people thought, ah, that's just a safe face. They're not really going to charge him again. They're just embarrassed and they don't want to. They don't want to say that they can't charge him, but here we go. They've continued to investigate. They convened a grand jury and they have now charged him again. It's crazy, but uh, it's it's Hollywood. Now, I don't know about the rest of the audience, but I there are a lot of times when I say to you, this item has come up for auction and I know you want it. Like anything having to do with Rocky, you probably want. But Janis Joplin's pool table truly interests me, Derek. So if you're trying to figure out what, what to get me for next year's birthday... My goodness, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need to get a lot of money because it's at Julian's. They're auctioning this pool table from her from her home, her California home uh, in Lake Larkspur, California. From back in 1969, she put in this beautiful vintage pool table. There's shots of her playing pool on it. Um, and it's now going to be up for sale. It looks like it's in beautiful condition. I mean, I think you could play on this thing, although I'm sure it's going to go for so much money that I'm not sure you're going to actually want to play pool on it. Uh, the opening mm-hmm. bid starts at 2500 but you can imagine this thing is going to go up and up and up, probably fetch five figures. They're thinking up to maybe $20,000 when the dust settles. Wow. Now, where's it been? I mean, did they, like, does she have a museum house or something? Yeah, you know, these things find their ways into people's homes. A lot of times a big, heavy... 
object like this, a pool table, will remain in the in the same home for a long period of time just because it's a pain in the butt to remove it. And that seems to be what happened a year before sort of her fatal overdose in, in Hollywood uh, in this home. It's put in and then it just stays there because who's going to move it? You know, this mm-hmm. is now sort of a museum piece. And, you know, now someone saw, hey, she played pool on this table. Maybe I can auction it and make a few bucks. And that seems to be what happened here. Well, she was a, a an avid pool player. I mean, I do remember that. There was lots of footage of her with a cigarette hanging out of the mouth and, a be, you know, a beer can in the hand playing well, listen, pool. you hang out in bars enough, you learn to play darts and pool. So I'm sure she had, had some skills because she was quite a drinker. So yeah. this is this is part of that that life that she led, and this is a cool piece of memorabilia. I, I'm with you that this will this will fetch a lot of money because her legendary status, you know, she's been dead for many many years now, decades and decades, long before I was born, mm-hmm. and uh, she still has a stranglehold on our, our attention because she's just a really important figure in rock history. Absolutely. So what's up with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold just can't keep himself out of the news. What a saga. So he went to Germany to auction off uh, a fancy watch, and the watch is worth around $100,000. And he was auctioning it for his climate initiative. You know, he's a very active politically and remains so and has his pet causes, and he wanted to raise some money. He gets to the Munich airport, and, you know, you've got to declare things that are worth that much, uh, mm-hmm. particularly if you have intent to sell them, and countries want to know what you're bringing into the country, if it's fruit and vegetables or lots of money or currency. He didn't declare it, and then they sort of had to shake him down for a little mm-hmm. bit of money, you know, and say, hey, this is a, you can't just come in and waltz into Germany with a $100,000 watch that you don't declare. He did so, and he sort of played the whole thing as, uh, for laughs. So he goes to the auction, and he's making jokes about it. He's saying, they handcuffed me, which I normally have to pay 500 bucks for, making some <laughs> body jokes, kind of like a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And he does the auction and ends up getting around $300,000 for the watch. Yeah. And the whole charity raises, uh, you know, around $1.4 million. So this incident at an airport, which becomes TMZ headlines, ends up uh, going to a good cause. Amen. Well, that's a good thing. And I got, you know, one thing about Arnold is everything is super big with uh, Arnold. He should have had your godfather take care of the watch, though. That Oh, uh, absolutely. If you got an antique watch, you, you go to my godfather, Jeff. That's the guy. <laughs> exactly. Well, one last thing. Congratulations, Dad. My granddaughter, the Oompa Loompa, was just incredible in the performance last night. Thank you for the video. Of course. I'll send you the raw videos, too. She always manages to find us in the crowd and give us a little wave, which I know breaks character, but listen, it's just it's Willy Wonka. It's great. Yeah, she's so cute. All right. Love to you. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. See you soon. All right. Well, that does it for me this week. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be right back here on Monday at 3 o'clock, if it be his will. And he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, as I always say, be safe this weekend. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.